and welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. Idle hands may be the devil's workshop, but we're going to talk today about why, especially now, it can be important to be idle. My mom is probably somewhere twitching and she doesn't even know why. And while this isn't one of her normal sayings, I got the message from an early age that doing something, anything, was better than being idle. I'm Stacey Gordon of Rework Work, where as a diversity, inclusion, and career strategist, I strive to reduce bias in hiring and remove barriers to entry. And I spend a decent amount of time helping people make career moves. And I'm Lisa Gates, a leadership and storytelling coach and founder of Story Happens Here. I coach unapologetically ambitious women to own their story, control their narrative, and rise up. Today's topic was kind of difficult for us to get started because for those of you who know us, we default to getting things done. Although I have to say I've been doing a fair amount of both mindful and mindless couch potatoing, but as more and more of us are under mandates to stay the hell home, we first started thinking about what we could put on our top five list, things that we could zone out on and share with you. But as we brainstormed, our list got kind of long. (laughs) So I think it'd be good to start with... Why, how does this topic of idleness relate to inclusion, what we usually talk about here, diversity and inclusion? Yeah, I think, I mean, part of that is is some of the privilege, right, that comes into the idea of being idle. There are some people who can be idle and some who cannot. Um, and we, you know, we always kind of start out um, acknowledging that. Um, and realizing that it, it's a privilege to be idle. Uh, and I think that's part of why my mom had such a hard time with me being idle when I was a kid. It was like, what do you mean You're, you don't have anything to do? There's a room to clean, there's chores to be done, there's, you know, here's a laundry list of things you can do. Right. You know, and I think that for people who have been recently laid off or those who are still working, but working from home and homeschooling children or, you know, the sort of added busyness or kind of what is it that now how obvious it is um, what we're doing with our time or not doing with our time. So I think that if, you know, the culture of overwork is now translated, you know, brought home, what do we do with that time that we now have and not feel guilty about it for some reason, right? So I think, too, that whether we call it mindfulness or mindlessness, what we, you know, being idle is personal, there, there's no wrong way, no right way. Um, you know, there's, there's, I'm not going to judge you for uh, spending an hour just sitting on the couch. Right. And I think that that's, so acknowledging that even if you are somebody who, you know, is working outside of the home still, 
having to come home, homeschool your, your children. And I use the word homeschool. You know, I, I know that's not the right term right now because really you're not homeschooling. You're kind of monitoring your children as they attempt to <laughs> uh, understand the various lectures and um, schoolwork that has been sent to them virtually. Um, and I will say I am struggling with that. So if you're struggling with that, plus still trying to work, plus still trying to, you know, put food on the table, um, and you're thinking, how in the hell do these two women expect me to be idle right now? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I want to acknowledge that and say that we, the reason we expect you to be idle is because we need that time. Otherwise, you will be burnt out. You will come out of this um, this stay-at-home mandate feeling just awful. It's why we're exhausted all the time. Our brains are on, in constant panic mode, and you've got to cut yourself some slack and, and find time where you can. <laughs> you know, this is a perfect um, segue to... Uh, that that transition from the busyness of work, you know, like we 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 all wish that we when we're busy working, we all wish that we could just hit the pause button, um, reschedule, reblock out time in our calendar in a more mindful and specific way, so that we don't have burnout at the end of every day or at the end of every quarter, whatever it is. You know, gosh, I wish I had the time to kind of just reformat everything. Well, you know, involuntary or voluntary, here it is. Here's your opportunity to actually be mindful about what you put on your plate and how much space in between activities or how much structure you, you, um, you, you organize your days by. And yes, we need it, especially with work, children, everything you mentioned, laundry, everything's in your face, right? But now might be a time to be a lot more, you know, kind of uh, intentional and, and thoughtful about what you put on your plate. Yeah. I mean, I think we had a, a place where we, we had a culture of busyness, right? So that's one of the things is everyone's saying, oh, this is the time for us to be introspective and to think and, and to, you know, rebirth and all these different words that are coming out. But if you think, you know, pre-COVID-19, um, we had a culture of busyness. It was like, I'm doing, you know, two jobs and, and I'm running around and I'm networking and I'm building my business and I'm this and I'm that. And we, we just had so many things on our plates. We're taking our kids to tennis and swimming and Taekwondo and um, or we're, we're running kids, you know, especially divorced parents between shuttling from house to house. We're grocery shopping. You know, there's all these things that we were doing and we really were in this place of busy. And um, part of that too was that we used it as a shield to really not be honest with people and to not open up. Um, you know, I see all these memes about the introverts who are, are saying, oh yeah, this is really hard for all of you extroverts. But it's hard for the introverts too, because now if I say to you, well, I'd like you to come to, you know, my virtual networking event and you say no, well, what's your excuse? You can't say you're busy. <laughs> right? So we universally used busy as sort of a respectful way of saying I'm not interested. 
I think also what you hit on a moment ago is the fear of vulnerability and the fear of connection, like busyness keeps us in doing, doing, doing mode and kind of puts a distance, a little bit of an emotional distance um, between people. So imagine, you know, not having uh, um, to spend your time in constant go, go, go. What do you do with that person you're sitting across the table from? What, what's actually in the space? What's in between you? Right. Uh, you know, I know that a lot of people are having deep conversations with the people they love or the people that they're related to um, that they hadn't had before. Right. So, right. Or, or you know, just, uh, thought the that time, they didn't yeah. have the time for it. Talking to your children, you know, people are having more conversations. I've seen, you know, some of my Facebook friends are saying, hey, my teenagers that normally, you know, go to their room and stay away from me, they're hanging out with me. They're talking to me. Uh, we're playing board games. We're doing things as a family. And so I think that, um, you know, when we first started thinking about this episode, we were going to call it, you know, unapologetic laziness. And then we said, no, that's not what it is. It's not about being lazy. It's about finding that space to do nothing. And so um, now that we cannot be in this place of busyness, um, we have to, it's not about being forced to do nothing. It really is about being intentional about doing nothing. And there's yes. a big difference because if I'm bored, right, that's me unintentionally doing nothing. I'm walking around in a state of I'm bored. I'm in a funk. It's a, it's a negative. But if I am, um, you know, intentionally saying I am doing nothing right now, I am choosing to be left alone, to not watch TV or to watch TV mindlessly, right? That's me choosing to mm-hmm. unfog my brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think you hit on an important point and this research about busyness um, points to this is that it is it is a choice. Busyness is a choice and so is intentional idleness or, you know, putting yourself in the space of boredom or 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 just just thinking and being with yourself so that maybe there's no so that first of all. And then if there is a, so that maybe it's so that creates, you know, a creative idea can come to the surface. Yeah. You know? um, but let's start with number one, like number one recommendation on the list would be sleep. In right. my opinion, that would be the missing piece. And a lot of people's productivity and create creativity is getting enough sleep. Yes. And, and it's so important. Um, I actually slept this past Saturday. Um, I slept until, I'm, I should be embarrassed to say this, but 11 o'clock. Yay! I have never, I can't remember the last time I slept till 11 o'clock. My kids came in to like check under my nose and see if I was breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Something must be wrong with mom. Yeah, yeah. So getting enough sleep, you know, um, Simple things too, like taking time alone 
in a space where space is limited. I know this is something that that um, you're starting to implement. Yeah, well, and it's it's so important. Like, you know, when you had an office, you could close your door. Um, and many people are in a home where they don't have, you know, lots of spaces where they can be alone. And you you do need that, though. So how do you make that happen? It is, I mean, I know people who are using their closet. And they're going and sitting in their closet and saying, this is my space. Um, obviously, the larger the closet, the better that space. But- <laughs> But it's just about carving out space where somebody knows this is your time. So even if you are in a home where you have children that are sharing a room, let them know, you know what, once a day or every couple of days, you need to give each other that room. So one person can take it by themselves for an hour, 30 minutes, whatever it is, so that they have that space to just be left alone. Like the the, the privilege and the, the, the need to just be and not to be beholden to somebody else's questions, demands, mm-hmm. needs, desires. It's just, I am in this space and I am left alone. That is such a luxury that a lot of people don't get. So even yeah. if you're in a small space, you, you know, carve it out, create a schedule. But yeah. they will thank you for it and it will hit your sanity. <laughs> yes, yes. It'll do wonders. <laughs> and, and and actually to give permission to that, um, to structure that um, for everyone in, in the house who wants or needs that. Yeah. You know, so it's not just about mom taking time or dad taking time alone. It's, you know, if you've got siblings sharing a room, um, that they trade off when they need that. Right? Yeah. Um, and some of the, you know, the simpler things. Well, things even before don't... you go to that, I want to say this, because I think it's important that solitude enhances the quality of your relationship with others. The reason people start bickering and getting on each other is because they've been up under each other for too long. Right. So you need that space to help preserve your relationship. That's right. <laughs> so that That's you right. And put that space in there and then remember, oh yeah, I do like give yourself space to miss the person. Right. Even if it's it's siblings, I see it with with my kids, you know, they do, um, they'll miss each other for a little bit. If they've been separated, then they'll come back and they'll, they'll play games together and they're much nicer and kinder to one another. Mm. It was funny. I noticed um, my my husband is a um, always busy you know, doing something, building something, uh, running to the hardware store to get something to, uh, for a project. And he's retired, but he spent his um, career this way, being on point, always on demand. Uh, he was a grip in the film business. And, and so he approaches his retirement in the same way. He's always doing something. And yesterday, it got very quiet. And I thought, I wonder where he is. I wonder what happened. Did he take a walk? Did he, where'd he go? And so I call out, I go, Charlie, where are you? And he said, I'm just hanging out on the couch, lying down. You told me I didn't always have to be busy. And like, maybe it was about just taking time for yourself. And so I'm doing that. And I said, it was just such an odd thing to hear. And I I take a look in the living room. There he is, just laying spread out on the couch doing right. nothing well and there is a um so nixon 
is, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it is the intentional practice of slowing down. Yeah. And so it is, uh, maybe it's Nixon, <laughs> um, but it's, it's in, you know, instead of us constantly occupying our minds, like what you said, with what we think we need to do next or what that next task might be, um, it's that intentional practice of slowing down. And uh, it looks like Charlie is uh, figuring that out. Well, right. He said what he was doing is just noodling on how to tackle a project, how to build it. And so he, you know, at the end of that little respite had lots of ideas. Um, right. Right. So, you know, in one way, one way to generate those ideas, everyone's different. But for me, when I, when I'm walking, I get ideas, right? Yeah. I um, can find solutions to problems. And that mostly happens when I'm walking by myself. Yeah. And the, well, on the other hand... Yeah. We can still do is walk, right? That's intentional. You can be alone and walk. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, on, on the other hand, some t- for, especially for people who are living alone, it would be a, a variation on that theme would be to call someone, to talk to somebody, you know, to ideate and brainstorm and um, or, or really just simply connect so that you can be, um, you know, feel connected yeah. to the world. Well, and it's like, so there are studies that have been done in the UK that show that there is an upside to conscious boredom. So again, the word conscious, right? It leads to daydreaming um, Mm. and that drives creativity and increases our focus. And I know for me, it's actually when I'm I'm sleeping, my brain regenerates and I will solve problems. But one of the things I love to do is wake up and not get out of bed right away. Like that probably half hour where I lay in bed and think, I get so many things done and so many like um, creative ideas because it's that time where people think you're still sleeping. So there's no demands on of you, <laughs> but I can lay there or I can pick up my phone and I can make notes. And um, it's, it is that time for me to, to think and be creative. But again, you know, that's me, right? I'm, I'm doing that. But if we go back to what we originally were talking about, which is actually being idle, like for me, it is so hard to just be idle. In order for me to be idle, I have to be doing something. So that's where I, I will play games on my phone. Because if I play a, a, a phone game, some mindless phone game, that stops my mind from constantly thinking and thinking about the next task and what else I have to do. And so it's, it's my little trick to short circuit my brain into doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, I found uh, two games on my phone that I, I, uh, I look at them as being somewhat meditative. So just like you said, it's turning off kind of the, it's not really turning off your thinking, but it's, it's turning away from whatever you'd been focusing on. So I play backgammon on my phone a lot um, and a game called Wordscapes. that's really fun. Just, you know, sort of word jumble stuff. <clears throat> and what, what it does for me is, you know, it, it may look like the stupidest, biggest waste of time, but it helps me go from one activity to another, not one, not, not just task to task to task to task to task. And, you know, there's actually some, some science behind that. And uh, that one study uh, was that 
people who were able to focus deeply on a single task were 500% more productive than when you're bouncing between tasks. So, you know, taking time to do, to pause before taking on the next thing or not, you know, multitasking is, uh, um, creates more flow. Yeah. Right? I know for me, I picked up this game. It's called the Klondike Adventures. We, I should call them up and see if they want to be a sponsor of our podcast. <laughs> because <laughs> I have actually spent money on this game, which is I never, ever, 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 ever spend money on games. And this game has been so darn addicting that I have actually spent money because I was like, I need more energy. I need more tools. I need more life. And I have just been, <laughs> it's really bad. But it's been so helpful because it, it's when I'm, I'm just thinking about that. And I'm literally, I'm like feeding my sheep and my kids hear me and they go, did you just say you can't find your cow? And I'm like, yes, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just one of those games I would never normally play. But I think that's also part of this, this idleness, right? Is this is a great time to pick up something you wouldn't normally do. You're scrolling through Netflix pick a movie you wouldn't normally watch, watch it in another language, watch it with subtitles, you know, pick a new genre. Like, (laughs) yes, yes. We've been doing that. We've been watching lots of documentaries, um, things that we would just sort of pass over, uh, um, um, and default to, Oh, what's the latest movie. Right. Um, I have to tell you something that, that, of course, given my storytelling focus with Story Happens Here, I'm always listening to stories. And one of my favorites is The Moth. And if you don't know about The Moth, it is a podcast. It is a it used to be a live event, and they're, they're moving them now to um, <clears throat> being virtual. But they would take place all over the country where people would just um, put their na- name in a hat, And if the MC called on you, you would come up to the stage at a microphone with no notes and just tell a personal story. You wouldn't tell, it's it's not about like telling a a fable or a, a known story. It's stories from your own life. And sometimes the simpler, the better. Um, so I'd highly recommend the moth podcast or to find, um, um, anywhere that you you can um, listen to these stories. They're addictive. And on top of that, there is a fabulous book called Storyworthy by a man named Matthew Dix, who uh, participated and won something like 35 moth slams, which is, first, there, there, there's the moth itself on stage, but then there are these competitions um, and he's just this fabulous storyteller. And he talks about ways that um, you can become a better storyteller and how to be cognizant and aware of story potential in your daily life. And I think also these are doing storytelling with your family or with your kids would be a really cool activity. And if you listen to a few podcasts, you'll kind of get an idea of how they're structured or how, how you can use them to, um, you know, to, to do something with 
creative with your, your, your time. And I mean, think about this in a year from now or five years from now, we're going to be telling COVID stories. We already are. Right? Yeah. Um, um, but this might be a way to capture this moment in time. And I know a lot of people in the 1918 pandemic, um, the Spanish flu, we're so glad when it's over, they just stopped thinking about it. They didn't, that's why there's like, you know, fewer stories are heard about 1918 pandemic. We have lots of, you know, documentaries and that kind of thing, but people were just so tired of the death. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I think that's where people can, you know, so journaling, right? It's one of the right. things that you can do. Um, I'm not a big journal person, but there are lots of people who love to journal. And and even uh, I did a, um, and I'm doing these again with another consultant. We do these uh, radical reimagining spaces and we've been doing it for, um, for DEI consultants. And what we do is um, you get into this space and it really is this, it's like giving yourself space to disconnect and so we give these little exercises and they seem like the stupidest things ever because the first time I did it I was like really why are we doing this Um, but then when you're done you're like oh wow I feel refreshed and so we um, started doing them we've been doing them with other DEI practitioners and they're really taking off because people are like wow you know you're giving them a space to not have to do for others Right. And you're, you've carved out space on your calendar where nobody else can bother you because you're in a, you know, a session. <laughs> and so it's space to just focus on yourself. And um, part of that is there is some journaling activities that go into it. Very short, very you know, quick. But the point is that just even that little bit to be able to write is um, is helpful and I mm-hmm. think there's so many kids, you know, they're, they're going to be writing essays about it. There's, there's going to be a lot of documentation, but the idea of just being able to write your feelings, you know. So basically, think, are you saying, you know, one of the exercises which you would get a prompt? Somebody yeah. would, yeah, yeah. You'd get a writing prompt and just start from there. That, I, I had a, uh, I participated in for a couple of years in a writing group and there were five or six of us in, in the circle and the, the leader would give us writing prompts. And I thought the most fabulous part of her direction uh, often was, I'm going to give you this prompt, feel free to ignore it and just write from where you are or use it as a springboard, incorporate it into your writing. Um, so, so, so both ends were possible. Um, no, no constraint, uh, around, uh, you know, what you might write. Yeah. 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 I think it's really important to, to do that, to just let your brain kind of flow. Um, and so, you know, some of the things, you know, cause we started off thinking about, well, what would we do if we were truly idle? And so I think that's part of the, you know, inclusion piece too, that comes into this is, or really it's maybe more about diversity, but you know, I really want to go back to, to Netflix for a minute and, and to podcasts and music. You know, those three areas where um, you can really open up your mind and be non-judgmental and pick something different. You know, stray from the path of, of normalcy 
and try something different. And you can do this in your idle space because your, your goal isn't necessarily to learn anything new or do anything. It's just, hey, I'm going to listen to this podcast. And if I hate it, guess what? I can hit stop. <laughs> I don't have to keep listening. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to try this movie. And if I don't get it, maybe I'll give it 30 minutes and see if I can get into it. If I can't get into it, maybe I'll pick something else. Mm-hmm. Just to be able to mindlessly kind of scroll through what's there. We're always saying there's nothing on TV. Netflix has like, what? I don't know, 100,000 titles or something. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't find something, you know, you're, you're just not trying hard enough. I know I keep saying Netflix, but, you know, Hulu, Disney Plus, uh, Amazon Any- TV. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, I, one of my favorite... Uh, if we're going to talk about titles, I mean, pot, it, let me just deepen that idea on the, on the podcast level. You're saying just pick something different. Well, the way often it, your choices are presented to you, it's with the paid ones first. It's just like when you, you do a Google search, the, the, the ads come up before everything else. Um, you have to force yourself to scroll. <laughs> force yourself to hmm, let me go into a genre or a category that I wouldn't normally do and 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 just force yourself to go to well this one only has a hundred views let me <laughs> let me see if a uh, hundred listens let me see what this is about maybe I can maybe I can help them out boost their numbers right. or maybe this one is on page you know eight of a thousand instead of on page one, right? That's right. (laughs) It's like, go go deep into the library and see what's in there. (laughs) You know, and, and, you know, listening to music, same thing. I did have been, you know, the day um, John Prine died, I asked Alexa to play John Prine music. And I was just stunned by how many songs I was familiar with and didn't know it was him. So, you know, or just randomly saying, uh, uh, Alexa, play Sibelius or play Beethoven's Ninth and uh, just having fun uh, doing random requests. Yeah, I think that that's really and you can have fun with it, right? Like what we actually did this on a. Uh, a road trip across the country, but you could do this in the house where we just all took turns, me, my husband and the kids. And we just said, whatever it is, you can't judge. You can't complain. You just have to listen. Of course, being in the car, what else could you do? But even in the house, you can just say, look, everyone gets to, you get to turn, they get to pick a song. And we just kept going around in circles. It was like, whose turn is it? And it got to the point, it'd be like, oh my gosh, it's Stephanie's turn and she's going to play this awful song. But we had to listen and we had to enjoy it. And then we got to, you know, we started to get more and more obscure. It's like, okay, if you're going to play that, then I'm going to play this. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great, that's a great exercise. It makes me think of a game, uh, um, not really a game, it was a childcare mothering tip that I got from a circle of mothers with a uh, psychologist who led the group and she gave us an exercise called special time and you can do this with any age child so even as old as 18 right Um, but imagine your child is two or three and they get to make up the game they get to tell you you allow them 
to say what they want to do. So if they want you to play monster, you're the monster, they're, you know, they're going to evade the monster. And you set a time, like 15 minutes, a half an hour, whatever it is. And your only job is to make sure that you're safe and your child is safe, but all other rules are set by the child. Okay, so one of the tricks she gave was if if your child says you you play the monster, you need to be kind of a bumbling fool monster. You can't be the monster who wins. The child has to win. This is about them like having agency and and being able to direct the show because so much of their time is being spent being directed and told what to do and get in your car seat and now it's school and now it's this. So, you know, and you calibrate it according to the age of your child, right? So special time when your daughter is 10 might be you braiding her hair or, you know, doing something that she really loves. Not my Um, kid. She'd be like, get away from me with that brush. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a really great uh, video last night of these, this family in Scotland and it had, they had a two-year-old and a five-year-old, two-year-old boy, five-year-old boy. And they were missing going out to dinner with their parents. So the parent, and this is a version of special time. So they set up their, the dinner table with plates and a setting and glasses and silverware. And they had a reservation list. And the kids went out and came back in the door, knocked on the door. And they said, we're here for dinner. And they said, well, and the mother said, well, let me check the list. Ah, yes, here we have you. And then they gave them menus. <laughs> they served them, you know, nachos and quesadillas, chicken quesadillas. And then they gave them an option for, for, for dinner or for dessert. It was just the sweetest thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, kind of fun, cool things happening. And so I think this is that time, right, where we want to be cognizant of how can we use our idle time to do nothing um, or to do something that somebody else might think is nothing. <laughs> and we get to do that in in a no judgment zone. And um, I literally think I might start just putting on my calendar doing nothing. Um, because then people will know, hey, mom's doing nothing right now. (laughs) This is a really important point you bring up, Stacey, uh, that, you know, productivity experts will tell you that if time in your calendar is not blocked off for exercise uh, or nothing, you can actually block out time for nothing And then communicate it to the people you work with or to your family. Say, hey, be really transparent about it. From this time to this time, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I am not available. Don't ask me to do something or schedule any meeting or anything around that time. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. It's a way, one way of reclaiming your time and then holding on to that as life returns to normal. Hold on to that. Hold on to that as a practice. Well, and what happens too is when you do that, you know, everyone, you know, again, you know, I'm thinking about being in the house, but even being at work, people come to you all the time because you're always available. 
when you mark off time that you're not available, somehow the things that they come to you during that time that they cannot come to you because you are, you know, busy doing nothing or busy doing whatever it is that you're doing, they figure it out on their own and right. they start getting self-sufficient. And all That's of a sudden right. you end up having less to do. <laughs> so um, it's a really great way to also help to reduce the reliance that people have on, on you. And I, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to have anyone's job security go away, but <laughs> I am saying that sometimes people can figure things out for themselves and they, they come to you for every little thing. And if you find that happening in your home, in your job, in your life with your family, then it might be because you are too available and you are too easily doing things for others and it might be time to stop. Hey, you know, that that's a point just re- reflecting this back on children again, uh, no matter what age, you know, people in general, um, there's a question that needs an answer, right? Um, if you answer the question, you take away the possibility, right? Like you said, they, they can figure it out themselves. But if you do need to answer, you could turn it into an open-ended question. I don't know. What do you think? How would you solve this? What are your thoughts about this? What would you do if I weren't here? So rather than knee-jerk answer every question, you know, and another variation on that theme is I used to put when I was working, I used to put my headset or my earphones on so that people would have the idea or perception that I was doing something. Even if I was just thinking, it was a way of of capturing some privacy to think or complete a, a task without being interrupted. And I ended up, you know, telling people, if you see me with my headphones on, um, you know, uh, that's not a time to interrupt. And also another thing is to teach people, you might have a question, you want to ask me for direction on something, pause and say, wait, why am I talking? And just pause. And if it keeps recurring two or three times, then you know, yeah, you need to ask a question and you need to get some direction. Well, and for the, I mean, a fun, you know, creative, uh, you know, for the people that are in the home right now could be everyone gets to make their own do not disturb sign. Mm -hmm. And you can, you know, hang it around your neck or if you want to create one that stands on a table in front of you. So even if you can't have a space of your own, maybe it's just you get to put up a do not disturb sign. And (laughs) while it's up, if you're laying on the couch, you know what? You can't be bothered. Uh, what you know? I think that could be a fun uh, art activity, right? Like everyone gets to make their own sign. It would be great. I was just thinking how we used to make tents when we were a kid, right? Um, like to have make a little tent, and like when you're in the tent, don't bother, don't bother yeah. me. This is my yeah. It's like the opposite of a talking stick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yes well I think you know uh, like that's always our our goal is to just have you start thinking a little bit differently about what we're doing um, and how we're we're going through life and um, so if being idle can help bring back a little bit of sanity to your day um, and give you some breathing space for your brain Um, I think that that would be a great outcome uh, of today. 
You have been listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download. Learning and experiences with you. And we hope that if you like today's discussion, that you'll like us, share us, and that you'll listen in next time. 